I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Episode of That's a Rap Podcast. I'm your co-host Jay Rosales, and this is the final episode of 2020. I would Thank typically God. be, yeah, I know. I was just gonna say I would typically be quite sad, but I am very happy to move on from this year. And that wonderful voice you just heard was Dre. How you doing, man? Wonderful. I don't know. I'm, my voice is as uh, as lovely as this year has been. I think uh, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, by the time you hear this, I guess 2020 will be all but a distant memory that we could all try and forget. So uh, here's to 2021, which doesn't really matter because stuff doesn't start and end by the countdown of a crystal ball in New York City. So uh, Jason, before I get too pessimistic, how are you? <laughs> no, I feel you, but I think it's like metaphorically speaking, I think all of us just need to restart. Yeah. This re- just restart this entire year. And, and I guess, you know, from all of us, if you guys uh, just joined us for the first time, welcome. This is a That's a Rap podcast. We are Raptors fans. Uh, this podcast is by fans for you, Raptors fans and NBA fans. And good riddance to 2020 and welcome to 2021. Happy New Year to all of you guys and girls and everybody in between. Uh, and to you guys, Dre and Jay, man, it's it's been a ride, man. It's been an absolute ride and I freaking love it. It's been a couple of, you know, maybe somber Twitter nights when it comes to the Raptors, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Jay, do you want to get us started with the, the some NBA talk and some Raptor talk? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you, you make reference to, you know, some of the somberness that's been floating around Twitter and we, we had to start there, right? The last time we did our, a, a podcast, the Raptors were undefeated in the preseason. And ever since, this is why we were kind of rushing to do this podcast now, because, you know, the Raptors have gone on to lose one more preseason game and uh, three regular season games. So we figured we would change up the mojo and, and fire up this podcast a couple of days earlier and talk about the Raptors who are 
0-3. Now, this is really weird because the last time the Raptors started off a season like this, Kyle Lowry was still in university. So that was a while ago. And the Raptors are sitting at 0-3, like I said. And, uh, you know, I guess let's start things off with just some general thoughts. What do you guys think? Is this, um, (laughs) are, are you concerned or like, what are you seeing out there? Like, what do you guys think? For me, I'm seeing two problems. And one is one that we were already used to, and that's Pascal Siakam playing inside of his own head, which is unfortunate because I felt like in the preseason, he was looking a little better. But the other concern is Nick Nurse seeming like a little bit fishier, in my opinion, of a coach than he's been in the last two seasons where he's not giving minutes to players like Malachi. He's basically trying to keep it to like a playoff snug seven or eight players at most and not really experimenting. I feel like whether we're being blown out or we're giving up leads, it's a bit strange that he's not being as experimental, in my opinion, as he used to be. And again, it's peculiar. I don't really know what my definitive thought of the team that I'm witnessing right now is outside of I I personally would prefer some rehabilitation with our center-based defense. I feel like we've certainly been devoted in that front. I feel like we're still a team that's gelling. So I'm not trying to get too carried away mm-hmm. with how I, with how concerned I am. And I guess we'll just see. But Again, before I get too pessimistic, Jason, what do you think? <laughs> see, you see, that's that's the thing. We saw some change up in the last game when it comes to the 76ers. I know that uh, Nick Nurse, to a much of a lot of people's demise, that they, he put Stanley Johnson in very early, as well as keeping in Alex Len. And this is because, and to my knowledge, is because that they he wanted on the defensive minded end to play a, a bigger style of defense. So that's why you put uh, Stanley Johnson on Ben Simmons, and of course Alex Len on Joel Embiid while Baines is uh, sitting down. So I, I agree on your. And you're saying when it, it's a team of that's just gelling. And it really, really is, right? This is not a team anymore that we have someone like uh, Serge Ibaka or Marcus Saw that could really give us that um, offensive push with Serge and defensive uh, reliability uh, when it comes to Gasol. So especially when those times where Kyle Lowry is doing like a pick and roll with Baines, Baines doesn't know Lowry that well yet. And that comes to effect of like, look at just if you look at the NBA standings in itself, it's all over the place. You have the Magic at one, Hawks at two, Cavs at three. Like this, it, NBA is an upside down. It's and to me, I feel like a lot of it. Yes, it could be a, the the fact that you know they're getting better. These teams are getting better, or it just could be the effect that it's not the same year. It's it's just it's just not. And and the fact that we have such a new team with Baines, Alex Len, Ben Brita hasn't been playing, Malachi that hasn't really been playing. We yes, we have that core, but it's not the same team anymore. So you have to let this team grow naturally. And the fact that this team is not even in Toronto, uh, this team is basically on a completely uh, the longest road trip ever, uh, and you're asking them to play with a new team. It's going to take a lot of time. So this over three start, yeah, it sucks. Of course, we we don't we we've been spoiled. Raptors fans have been spoiled for for five to six years already, but. You have to be patient. You have to let this team grow. The one thing that I do point do point out though is um is the free throws. And from the past three games, the Raptors have been out attempted at the free throw line, 69 to 41. 
Mm-hmm. In the last three games, the Raptors have also been outscored from the free throw line, 49-32. And not only that, Toronto is dead last in offensive efficiency at 95.9 per 100. Dead Jeez. last. So there is a lot to clean up. One, we have to let this team gel. We have to be patient with a growing team that's not even at home. And this team has to play with confidence. They, ha- he, they have to continue to go to the line. Tr- try, you know, If a three is not working, such as Norman Powell Siakam, they have to go into and try to get that, try to get, try to get to the stripe. Um, and, and that's about it. That, those are my thoughts. I don't think it's, it's a concern about like overreacting, but you know what? There are some uh, pockets that need to be filled. Yeah, you guys touched upon a couple of things that that I agree with and sometimes I partially disagree with. I think that the Raptors actually have been experimenting. And I think that you touched upon it there, Jason, with with Alex Lensing and, and Stanley Johnson both seeing extended time. I actually liked those moves because I saw it quite often. I think on three different occasions, Stanley Johnson poked the ball away from Simmons. So you could see that his... First of all, he has the build to stay in front of and at least take the strength of Ben Simmons. And and mm-hmm. secondly, he had quick enough hands to at least disrupt him. So I, I kind of liked what I saw from Stanley Johnson. I, I I get it. There are there were certainly some moments there where, you know, I think there was one part where he stole the ball and then fumbled it out of bounds all on his <laughs> own. And it's, you know, he'll you kind of take the good with the bad there. And I think for the most part, he actually was good. Uh, similar with Alex Len, I think the game plan going in was, okay, we get it. Chris Boucher had an all-time game in game two with 20 and 10 and seven blocks off the bench in under 30 minutes. I mean, that's incredible. In fact, only Kevin McHale has ever achieved those numbers in that few minutes in NBA history. But having said that, you can't put Chris Boucher on two behemoths like Joel Embiid and oh, Dwight nice. Howard. So I get the thinking of giving extra run to Alex Len, and it also gives him a chance to kind of get used to the offense. One of the negatives going into this season for Alex Len was that he he is a, you know known for having butterfingers, and we saw that several times, even to the point where he missed a dunk. So, we again, taking the good with the bad, I thought that both of those substitutions, while unorthodox, probably worked out more than it didn't. Um, I think the concerning part for me, and, and the, the, you can see this in two different lights. One, in that the Raptors have managed to build double-digit leads in each of their first three games. That's great. And of course, you know where I'm going with this. They've also lost those leads. And that's the first time in over 20 years where a team has started off the season with three double-digit leads and three losses. That's fine. I can live with that. At 0-3, after the run that they've had, I think they've earned the patience of this fan base. And and for those of you who are already giving up and asking for a rebuild... I think that you've or probably worst of all, yeah. Worst of all, waiting for Harden to come. That's that's not gonna fix it. You know, okay. Let me like can we I just... think I think you know, hold on, hold on. before you go there, I think that okay, is actually good. that is actually let's let, we'll we'll touch on that in just a second. I think that okay, that's actually okay, okay. a separate I have stuff to say about that, man. Okay, I'll let you I'll let you sound that. off on, on Harden to Tio, but let me just say this that that I think that uh this team has afforded us the you know some patience here. I think there will be some gelling as as Dre was was already alluding to there. And I think it'll happen. I mean, there's there's definitely been some positive signs. And if there's one person that's really stuck out to me, it's Kyle Lowry, who has been the only person who's been a, a, a positive plus minus, whereas everyone else has been a negative. I think the rest of the team will catch up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hear your concerns, Dre, in terms of, of Siakam um, not, you know, attacking the rim with more purpose. I think that he's, you know, 
he's settling on a lot of jump shots there, which by the way are actually falling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very almost predictable that you would think that, okay, Siakam has gotten off to a slow start. Hey, look at that. His mat, his salary matches with Harden's. Hmm. I wonder where to go with this. <laughs> and I think that's where, where you come in, Jason, and tell us why okay. that's a bad idea. I've- I have two. I have two things to say. One, I agree. Again, I want to uh, stick with the Siakam for for at this moment because I agree with Dre where he it, he definitely is kind of playing in his head. Those jump shots are working, but when they don't, nothing else is, and that's the problem, right? When he goes into the lane, he's looking for the fouls, and that screams old um, Raptor Demar Rosen. When he goes in and all he's doing is complaining and asking and waving his arms and wondering why he's not getting a foul. One is because you're looking for it. You just got to go in there and drive with a purpose into either dunk it. Don't go in there looking and expecting a foul because you're not going to get it. You don't have that reputation yet. If those shots aren't falling, drive with a purpose. Now, when it comes to the James Harden, I just have to say, and and I'm not going to break down all the numbers because, Jay, that's on, that, that's on that's for you. But he's still under contract for the next two years, and he's getting paid f- over forty million dollars that he even he didn't want. He Houston was going to pay. He doesn't even want the extension of over forty-two million dollars. I just don't think that camaraderie right there. What are we going to give up? We're going to give up Siakam, probably OG, probably not, future not OG. Sorry, not OG. I'm just going to cut you I, off right there. I, I hope not. I hope not. No, no, no. I but, mean, like, really, like, like with how fast Harden wants to get moved, OG and Fred, because they signed, they actually cannot be moved until March. Okay. Harden's, well, long, Harden's long gone before then. But but please, go ahead. The, I just think that if you if you guys were afraid that Ka- that Kawhi wasn't going to stay, and he didn't stay, like, he wanted to play uh, at, at home. I don't, I any of my doubts that Harden will want to stay with Toronto is... You know, it's out the door, man. Like, there's there's no way that he's going to want to stay with a growing team right now. And just whenever I see those tweets of, like, just wait until James Harden comes or anything like that, it, it kills me because, like, that's not what we we're about, man. We've we've been all about strategic planning and about growing our players. And the fact that you want to, you know, give away Siakam and I don't know whatever future you have for maybe one or two years of Harden who hasn't been to uh, the NBA finals once. I got a counter. I got a counter. Okay. And I'm okay. not saying this because I, I, I desperately want Harden on this team, but I'm looking at it from the perspective of, okay, let's say uh, from a money standpoint, you're looking at something like a Siakam plus norm, which fits uh, for Harden, or you throw in, you know, redacted, and you can get PJ Tucker returned, but something to that effect. It's, it's basically it's it's Yakum and Norm for for Harden for all intents and purposes. Now, what that means is, okay, fine, you have Harden, and yes, I agree that his his crybaby routine is is first of all, it's nothing new in the NBA, but second of all, it's Fair. troublesome because he there are different ways in which you can argue and fight and scream your way off of a team look what jimmy butler did um that is at least safe going to strip clubs is not safe i'm sorry so i don't agree with that but i will say this with harden on this team um and again i'm I'm not saying whether I, i like this or not i'm just saying what it means if siakam and norm are gone it's that harden is on this team this team is already built around his skill set which is either uh which by the way the the 
the Raptors lead the NBA in three-point attempts. Can you imagine if you add a hard into the mix? And next to that is because of his salary, we don't have to worry about him leaving next year or the year after that. So they have a two-year runway to build around that. And get this, because of the trade and not you know buying him uh, as a free agent, they still have a lot of room in next year's salary cap to pick up an Oladipo or a Turner or Elton. I don't know. But what I'm trying to get at is you swap Siakam for Harden, who by the way is already a, is a top five player in the NBA, which is already higher than Siakam may ever be. And you have space to pick up someone else. That's not bad. Like, and, and, I guess I'm going to counter my own counter by saying that I get it. This is not part of Toronto's culture. They've always wanted to grow from within. It's just that's quite an enticing deal in my mind. I'm not shutting it down um, as, as quickly as quickly as you seem to have, Jason. Dre, I'm going to ask you, is this what Messiah and Bobby are thinking? The fact that we're 0-3 right now, do you think that they're panicking right now or do you think that stick with the guns? The fact that from what I've heard, the Heat have backed out of discussions. The Celtics look to be moving forward. I feel like this could absolutely be something that Masai is considering, and this is perhaps maybe why certain players haven't um, haven't had minutes or whatnot. Like perhaps this zero and three is our sales pitch to James Harden. Hey, listen. We need your expertise. And get this. When Lowry was second to Kawhi, and he didn't have all the weight on his shoulders, and when Pascal was second to Kawhi, our entire lineup flourished. So what if, even at the expense of Pascal, unfortunately, we recreate that? This time with a fired-up Harden, which a reluctant James Harden, who doesn't want to play, still drops 40. That's crazy as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. what if we toss him into the mix? He's got this new fire under his ass. Um, and he did list us as, as a possible trade destination. So it's not like he doesn't want to be here at all. He might have preference. I don't think he actually did. I don't oh. think he did. Okay. I, I, think, we, I think the Raptors, was, the, no, the name, the Toronto name pops up in rumors, but I don't think he, the Raptors were listed on his, uh, on his wish list. Okay. Well, I'd like to think that he'd still try to play for us because here he could still be the top dog, you know. But so, again, that's not up to Harden. That's up to no. that's up to the Rockets. But it, at yeah. the same time, who... you'd say that. But the fact that they've still kept the guy, even with all of the liabilities, all of the crap that's happened, they're clearly still, you know, bowing down to him. If this was any other team, his ass would be on the Knicks right now. Like this guy would have been gone. Like. You're not going to show up for practices and stuff? Fine, we're going to get get you out if you're first door out. Well, bam. Like, the fact that they have catered to him and paid him and traded Westbrook for Wall and done everything for him and he still wants out, I, I'm astonished that they haven't, like, traded him for Lay's chips at this point. Like, I don't understand why they're still <laughs> listening to him, but that could be in favor of wherever he ends up, which could be us. You never know. Well, I never thought that we were going to go into a hardened <laughs> uh, conversation. This was not but part I, of the agenda, Jason. No, this was not. This was not. This was my doing, and I apologize for that. <laughs> no, this However, is so worth it. This is so needed. <laughs> yeah. However, I, I know that it's it's all over Twitter still. 
uh, and all over Raptors verse. So, you know, even the whole, you know, where is Kyle Lowry going to land? Like all of these rumors are, are pretty crazy. At the end of this conversation, before we move on to the next couple of games, give this team a chance. Only three games. Yes, there are things that there are to improve. Yes, we we definitely could uh, we we could be up to uh, two one very easily, but we we're not. So the fact that Jay, you already said it, we pointed it out. We were up twenty points for in every single game. Double digits, not twenty wins. Oh, t- double digits. My apologies. Double digits. Did we win them? No. But the fact that we're still putting up a hell of a fight gives me some positivity. So let's think about the next couple of games, right? We have uh, the Knicks coming up uh, on on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday, so it's going to come up for tomorrow for us. But for us, it's going to be the Knicks on Thursday, the Pelicans again on Saturday, and then the Celtics on Monday. What do you guys think? Are, are we hopefully going to get one, two, or three of these games uh, uh, for our record? Three wins, baby. Three wins. Ooh. I'm, I'm, by the I way, like- I, I should point out I'm 0 for 3 so far in predictions for the Raptors. <laughs> I, should, I should throw that disclaimer in. I, I think, what well, are you can have this. If I'm going to be, I guess, more um, cautious, I will say that the Raptors only win two of three. And but here's the shocker. I'm going to say the loss is going to come to the Knicks because 2020 sucks, and that's just the way 2020 is going to end. <laughs> you can't, you can't not, right? Like seriously, would, would you really be shocked though? Like if the no, Raptors no, lost no, to the Knicks? Like true. I'm like not not to like I get it. I just watched Soul, and and yes, they totally crapped on the Knicks, and I, I enjoyed every <laughs> second of that. Spoiler alert! But come on, man, like. It's it's it almost seems like it's written in the stars that the Raptors will lose to the Knicks just because it's still 2020. Like they they yeah. gave the Raptors the crappy six o'clock or seven o'clock game on New Year's Eve and facing the Knicks. Ah, oh, I I can already see dejected Raptors fans wanting to blow up the team that they're 0 four. I mean, they already want to blow up the team right now. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay, yeah. so we can already we can already change course and say that they'll they'll beat the Knicks and uh, shut those fans yeah. up. <laughs> yeah uh dre what about you man uh well, one of one of three two three 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 well first off let me get this whole nick's grievance off my chest uh, <laughs> i was setting you up buddy i'm setting you up <laughs> first off have you noticed that ever since soul got released on christmas day and they ever so eloquently had that part where the knicks have lost yet another game or whatever it was um that they've been yeah. doing really well and my second line of thought is Dude, why are they doing really well I can tell you why, because they didn't play in the bubble, so we didn't get a chance to see this. There's no stupid-ass Knicks fans in the crowd that could play with their minds clear. That's exactly why they're playing so well. There's no and, fans. Uh, <laughs> and their head coach their head coach is Tom Thibodeau, who will play his starters 45 minutes, so he doesn't have to actually worry about his bench. <laughs> actually, that's also that's true, true, because right now they're playing really well. Let's give it two weeks, and they're going to be exhausted. They're going to need that Gatorade on NBA 2K. So, anyway. 100%. Their best player their best player right now, I'd say, is Julius Randle. 24 points uh, per game. Yeah. They, his minutes are averaging at 37.8. Like he's playing a lot of minutes, and he's he's been a nuisance to 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 Raptor. He's I wouldn't say he's a Raptor killer, but he's always played well when it comes to the Raptors. So that's going to be very intriguing how Baines is going to handle Randall, and of course you got R.J. Barrett. But I, you can't I don't know, man. Like you you put you put Raptors versus Knicks. 
you're going to say the Raptors, right? Well, yeah. am I, like, am I crazy? Uh, as for the predictions, I feel like the Raptors are going to come out exploding. If not Pascal, everyone else, I feel like Storm Norman is going to make an appearance. I feel like that's going to be a win. I feel like the Pelicans is going to be a win. I don't know why. I had a bit more faith in the Pelicans. And Ingram is like KD 2.0. But a few other things I'm not fully sold on yet with the with the Pelicans. And I feel like the loss of Drew Holiday has kind of started to let that set in. But otherwise, um, oh, so that's a maybe. The Celtics, I can see why, Jay, you feel like they might win. Is Kemba Walker back? Nope. Then, okay, I'm going to say a loss to the Pelicans and a win for the Celtics, so 2-1. Uh, you know what? I would say something about the Pelicans kind of scare me. I, I want to say that the the Brendan Ingram, he's he's on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 23.3 points per game, seven rebounds a game, six assists. Like he's he's not MVP level, but he's definitely their go-to. And then you, like who was, who was really guarding Zion Williams? Like the last game that we played them, they were shooting threes, uh, like crazy and hardly any of them. Well, maybe not hardly, but most of them weren't coming from JJ Reddick. So they, they scare me. I feel like they're all around. They were, they're pretty good. I do agree with the Knicks. And honestly, I don't think this like the, the loss of Brandon Hayward or Gordon Hayward, sorry, is more affecting them than I thought. And of course uh, the no Kemba has definitely uh, been hard on them too, but you know, you you got JT and and Jalen Brown, of course, but I want to say Knicks, Knicks win, or sorry, the Raptors win against the Knicks. The Raptors win also against the Celtics, but I'm going to say Pelicans a loss on that one. I I don't know about the Pelicans one, man. The Pelicans one. I just feel like it's been so like the Raptors just faced them and we've seen how in a playoff series, Nick makes his adjustments. I just feel like they've played close enough in, in terms of like days apart that I feel like Nick, nurse has 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 an adjustment in him already he has a plan already to to keep the ball out of jj reddick's hands you know og actually had an amazing game guarding zion williamson in terms of keeping him limited and what he could do Mm -hmm. um you know my favorite stat so far uh is that so far over the first three games OG Ananobi has had to guard Zion williamson demar derozan ben simmons and brandon ingram and all four of them over those three games, have combined for 16 points. Really? That's Ooh. it. That's it. When guarded by OG. So when they're getting their points, when Brandon Ingram is getting his points, it's not when being guarded by OG. When mm. Zion Williamson got his points, it was not being guarded by OG. So OG for me is like the ultimate X factor for us. He's like the, yeah. the you know, the if you think about the, the Bruce Bowens uh, of old or... Um, whoever is it that you you think of as your shutdown defender, that's OG. And you know, against the Knicks, he, you could put him on Randall. Against the Pelicans, you could put him on Ingram. Against mm-hmm. the Celtics, throw him on Jason Tatum, right? And uh, I, I think that the Raptors are set up really well to not just win these next three games, but also, I mean, they're they're set up well for their the rest of the season and for the future. So again, I, I think in just my this is just my roundabout way of saying, guys, relax, don't worry. Yeah. We'll be above 500 in no time. You raise a really good point with this weird 72-game season that each series, like we're facing Charlotte back-to-back in January. Each series, you revisit each team so close in vicinity from each game. Like, that's actually very abnormal. And perhaps somebody like Nick Nurse could use it to his advantage. You never know. Absolutely. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised if we see more Stanley Johnson, especially for larger guards like Lonzo Ball. 
I wouldn't be surprised to see that either. Um, but okay, so Raptor fans, let us know what you guys are thinking. Uh, are you over? Are you? You know, hopefully, guys, you're not overreacting. But what are your thoughts on this uh, slow start? It's zero and three start, and what are your thoughts about the next three games coming up versus the Knicks, Pelicans, and Celtics? And but let's take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to reminisce a little bit about 2020 of what it was, and thank God that it's over. Until then, talk to you guys soon. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't know how anyone's going to be able to accomplish this list of trade demands from James Harden. Um, I'm personally no longer interested. That was a that was a tome of demands. So we're going to move on. We don't need them. So anyway, um, it's time to reflect solely on the Raptors because guess what? The year has now finished, and despite all of the crap, there is some positivity, including in Raptorland. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it would be a good idea to, since 2020 is wrapping up, I thought it would be cool to kind of say what our favorite, maybe memorable, you know, things that got you got you in the feels for Raptor Land. And, you know, so, some of it could be said and some of it could be good. So, uh, you know, I, Raptor fans, I want you guys to let us know, too, what your favorite moments were for 2020. Uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know in, in Twitter because we love interacting with you guys. But um, I think I'm going to go first because this one this one hit a lot of us. I, I would say everybody, not only just in the NBA field, I think everybody in the world where we heard the news that Kobe Bryant passed. And the, why I bring this up is because, of course, that was one of the most heartbreaking uh, summer moments uh, 
that I've ever witnessed in my life um, because of how, you know, how, how much Kobe has affected us uh, in, in ways that we didn't even imagine. And for the, for Raptors and for NBA players, you saw how emotional they were on the floor. And the day that, you know, when, when they were asked to play, people were wondering like, why are you, why are you making them play right now? Like, it's kind of crazy. So, uh, it was it was on January 26th when the Spurs and the, Ra- the Raptors visited the Spurs. They have decided that whoever wins the tip, and in this case Toronto, they are going to let the shot clock run out because of the number 24 to honor Kobe Bryant. Fitting. Appropriate. As Fred Van Vliet holding on to it and the crowd recognizing what this means. Sean, how did these guys play? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, you tell for me in this situation. And the news came down that Kobe had passed. And what was so beautiful was they still played the game because at the end of the day, you know that Kobe would have wanted them to do that anyways. They would. He would have not wanted them to stop playing. So before they started to play, they ran out the shot clock. Whoever got the tip ball, and it was the Raptors at that time, they ran out the shot clock. Uh, for the for the 24 seconds shock violation to commemorate Kobe Bryant and the Spurs did the same thing and it was beautiful it was sad it and it's 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 getting me right now to think about it it was really really heartbreaking but it was also just a time of family a time of being there for one another and the fact that the Raptors were playing the Spurs you know old friend DeMar DeRozan who finds Kobe and much to a lot of uh, NBA players, think Kobe is a legend, and to Demar Derozan, he of course he was a, a living legend. And then it was just so nice to have the Raptors and the Spurs get together and be there for one another. Not only like the players, the coaches uh, as well, the fans as well. So it was a beautiful and extremely heartbreaking moment that I could never ever forget. Yeah. Uh... That day obviously really got to a lot of us, and unfortunately, um, I'm a very emotional person with this type of stuff, so I was like, God, I think I cried like five times that day. It's something really pathetic for somebody I didn't even know personally. No, it's not pathetic, man. It's it's something that we all definitely got through, had to get through together. Oh, yeah, but like that one, that started, I think, like round three or four. I can't even remember. And it wasn't just seeing the seconds roll down, which I thought was a touching tribute. It was seeing these guys whose faces, they just looked like they were made out of stone because they were about to do what they do, but fight through what they were feeling because it's basically what Kobe would have wanted. And I like you could tell, like I don't know if they wanted to be there or not, or it was just it's almost like I had to do it for them because they couldn't like, they just had to do what they had to do. And meanwhile, like, you know, well, I, I already was working from home even before COVID. Um, so I was at home and I, I could explode, I guess when I want to, when it comes to, you know, my emotions and it was just seeing like particular faces uh, like Jakob Hurdle just looked broken 
and Popovich looked like he lost one of his best friends that he used to see mm-hmm. often in the heat of the playoffs. Uh, then seeing our guys, you know, it, it affected each person differently. And just seeing that, it was just, again, it was a fantastic tribute, gorgeously done on one of the worst days in contemporary basketball history. And yeah, I, I better stop because it's starting to get to me again. Jay, what did you think? Yeah. Well, no, I, I think you guys, you know, hit hit it on the head in terms of, you know, the emotions that we were all feeling. And, you know, it's it's kind of odd how, I don't know why my mind is going here, but a lot of a lot of NBA fans and, and Raptors fans all over the world were, were wondering, you know, why are these guys playing this game? Why? Mm. Like, I, I get it. I, I get that Kobe would want them to play, but at the same time, it is, you know, this, this is just a game, right? We're talking about someone's life here. Why are they playing? Why are they being forced to play? And I couldn't help but think, you know, several, about eight months later about it, because at a time when there is social unjust in the world and... There was, I, I don't know the exact date, but there was, um, it was the, the, um, the passing of, um, it was the Blake shooting and it was a time when, you know, people are starting to have kind of similar thoughts to what they had after Kobe's death, which was, what are these guys going to do? Like when, what are they going to play? Are they not going to play? Then all of a sudden there are rumors about, the, the Bucks and the Magic and, and the Celtics and the Raptors sitting out. And, I, and, and then they eventually did. And they sat out. And I couldn't help but think of back to this day, to this mm-hmm. day when Kobe passed away and thinking, this is what the players probably wanted to do, was take a stand and say, you know what? We're actually not going to play because we, we honestly can't do our jobs right now. And they didn't. And they kind of got a second crack at it with a much different but very powerful message. And I think that day also rings true for everyone, right? And I think part of that can be linked back to what happened on January 26th. Yeah. Uh, I mean, touching moment for everybody, a hard moment for everybody. And and it's something that I don't, you know, it's not something that I want to forget because of, you never want to forget someone like Kobe. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a tough, year and that was the beginning of the year we didn't even know what was what, what was coming to us but again this, <laughs> this is this is the end of this is the i'm i'm calling this episode that's a wrap on 2020 so dre what about you man what was your favorite memorable moment of 2020 2020 um for the raptors well mine feels monumental and a little silly but i'll explain why so i went with the first round playoff sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. Musa will dribble out the final seconds and it is over. The Toronto Raptors have posted their first ever playoff series sweep in their 25 year history as they eliminate the Brooklyn Nets. Now it's silly because obviously they were very understaffed. They didn't have Kevin Durant all year. And if you've seen what he's looking like on the Brooklyn Nets lately, Oh boy, there could be a new king in the East. Um, but yeah, they didn't have KD. They didn't have Kyrie. They didn't have a 
bunch of other players. I don't believe um, DeAndre Jordan was there. The, a bunch of players weren't there. And they were trying their absolute best. And um, they actually put up a, a, a hell of a fight, which uh, to me was a signifier of how good they were going to be this year when, once they had all of their pieces, which, you know, aside from the one loss, they're looking really good. But it just felt good for once to be able to say, you know, the Raptors, the Raptors swept, even though it was another staff team. It was still a team that tried. It wasn't a team that shouldn't have been there and it just ended up in the playoffs somehow. It was a team with heart. It was a team that really, really tried their best. And still, the Raptors, for once, had... And this isn't a year when people had a lot to say about Pascal in the playoffs. They had a lot to say about what are we going to look like without Kawhi from the year before. We still showed a confidence that we Raptors fans have been dying to see for so long. They got the job done, and it's one of those things where when you consider all of these talks about the playoffs and you look at this this series, even with the undermanned uh, Brooklyn team, that was a hell of a of a run by the Raptors, and it just looked really solid. And it's one of the few, outside of the championship run, one of the few times where a Raptors team that we're used to did something with authority. And the only other time I could think of that in the playoffs was that time where we smacked the Heat by like a blowout in Game 7 where it's like, yes, this is mm-hmm. what it feels like to be like this team in the playoffs. And that's what we had with this. It felt really nice. It was a change of pace outside yeah. of the championship runs, of course. No, no, but I think I think that that's a great example of what this felt like for Raptors fans. This was Miami game seven, but over four games. This was, you know, the, the Raptors, you know, putting like showing their what their their will was all about and, and willing themselves to not just win but like this was a statement right for like not just this season and to all the raptor haters out there this was like a statement for all of the past 25 seasons this was okay we are going to take this opponent that is undermanned and we're going to kick the crap out of them and that's what they did for four games straight and it was great to see and you know, it was it was just the kind of confidence boost that this this team needed heading into a very difficult series against the Celtics. And I couldn't have asked for a better first round uh, series. And, uh, you know, to your point, Dre, this is definitely something I'm going to remember from 2020. And I would I would also say that a little bit of revenge, don't you think? Because, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, if any Toronto Raptor bang murders happened, it probably happened in 2014 when the Raptors finally made the playoffs for, you know, a good reason. And we, if you guys don't remember, we faced Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs. And that was that year where you got the Brooklyn Nets that had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, Darren Williams. That was a force of a team. Um, but we brought them to seven and to the last shot. And we only lost by one. And that was the year when DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, they were both on the floor. And DeMar was hovering over Kyle and probably saying something like, we got this. We're going to go to the the next level. We'll do this together. And that was a testament to how far this Raptors team has come. We went from a 
you know, a almost rebuilding team uh, going to a game seven, losing to a pretty, pretty dominant Brooklyn Nets team. Now that we now, you know, fast forward six years to 2020 and we swept the team that beat us. Right. And it was just like, a, this is who we are now. You know, we've been in the playoffs. We've second longest uh, tenure team in the playoffs for a playoff run. So it's it's a testament to how far we've come. So I definitely agree with you, Dre. That's a very monumental moment for the Raptors. Jay, last but not least, man, what about you? What was your most memorative moment in 2020? Yeah, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what Dre was saying in terms of like, okay, the the Raptors sweeping the nets was was a statement for this Raptors team. It was one of those, hey, we're the champion. We're the champs. And, you know, we're we're here to make a statement and you're going to have to pry it out of our hands. And my favorite moment is actually from the leader of of that mentality. And that's Kyle Lowry. And I, my favorite moment of 2020 is, well, I think we all collectively, before we all get a little out of hand here, we all collectively had a favorite moment, but which we will get to in a second. But my favorite other moment would be Kyle Lowry at the All-Star Game taking yes. two charges. <laughs> Intercepted by Leonard. Leonard moving on Lowry. It is all satisfied with Something you rarely see in an all-star game. Wow. He guessed right. Kawhi Leonard went right into the body of Lowry. Offensive foul. And Team LeBron back in possession. And again with a chance to win it with a three. Harden, no foul called. And now we get a call. He's Outside of outside of Raptorland, no one really knows or cares about Kyle Lowry over everything. They don't. Mm. I think other fan bases get agitated with Lowry, with the charges that he takes, with the, him barking at referees, and it's one of those things where you know he's a prime example of the guy that you would hate to face but would love to have on your team. You know, Golden State has Draymond Green. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Paul has that with whatever team he goes to, and <laughs> you know it's a way of getting under the skin. But you know it it definitely endears himself to the fan base and him taking charges in the All Star game. I, you know what? I should backtrack a bit here. Let's take a look at the reason why he was able to take those charges. That is the different format that the NBA did this year, and that was with the Elam ending. So just a quick reminder, because this does feel like it was more than a year ago, but the Elam ending basically is that, you know, once you hit a certain target number, oh, sorry, once the time gets to a certain point, let's say that I think it's the final three minutes of the game, whoever is leading, uh, they have to reach a certain target number, right? And I believe the West was ahead and they had to get 11 points before the East got 11 plus whatever their deficit was it was was much easier to explain back then but anyways (laughs) the reason why that's important is because those final three minutes there is no time you're just trying to make a stop and make a bucket that's it and Kyle Lowry is was and is suited perfectly for that format he will steal you a possession by taking a charge in fact he did it twice and I think the rest of the NBA, I think this is why it's my favorite moment, is because the rest of the NBA, or at least the rest of the Eastern Conference teams, got to feel that joy 
or not actually not even the Eastern Conference teams. I forgot we're we're doing Team Giannis. So basically, anyone who was on Team Giannis, that fan base mm-hmm. loved Lowry just as we do, and they loved those charges, and they loved the way that he just, uh, you know, took the game at the palm of his his hands and and said, you know what, it's my team's going to win this, and I'm going to do what I can to to get a victory. And uh, yeah, it just it was just perfect for me and and almost poetic if if Harden ends up coming to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree with me that that during those charges in particular in the All-Star game, that was probably the most hectic chaotic time when it come when it came to like Lowry and and Raptors Twitter. Like the whole Lowry over everything Lowry is our goat. And then conversely, it was like, I hate Kyle Lowry. It was so perfect. Because the first charge, the first charge blew up Raptors Twitter because it was Kawhi. And that made everyone just go insane. And and that is supposed to that was supposed to be it. That's supposed to be the crescendo of of what he accomplished in the All-Star game. But no, he put the cherry on top and took another charge with, mind you, the game was literally on the line. If that charge is not called, Harden hits the game winning three, game is over. So both of those charges, like the the timing of them, who they were against, it's just so perfect. And yeah, uh, yeah, I I couldn't have picked. Well, I could actually pick one better moment, but uh, but feel free to chime in on your thoughts on Kyle Lowry. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. That was a wonderful time because I don't think the the last shot wasn't probably going to go to Kyle or Siakam. At least Siakam, I know he missed two free throws during that time. But the fact that one, the first charge came from Kawhi and then the second charge came from Harden, but that was also a late call too. Like Kyle Lowry fell to the ground and everyone expected, oh no, they're going to call a charge. Oh, they're not calling a charge. And then finally, I don't know who the ref was, he called it and then everyone went bonkers. They went bonkers. I literally jumped out of my seat. I I was going crazy. It was amazing, hilarious, and the fact that it came from a charge call from Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry over everything, man. Wow. But it's amazing because the All-Star game shows finesse in all categories, whether it's threes, crazy alley-oops, insane full-court passes. People underestimate, unless you're a Boston fan with Marcus Smart, if you're a Toronto fan with Kyle Lowry, etc., etc., Otherwise, a lot of fan bases underestimate the trickiness, precision, and talent it takes to draw charges, especially consistently. Like, if that was a stat, a defensive stat, alongside steals or blocks, people would start to notice how essential that type of defensive gameplay is to a game. So to see this on full blast, and this is with a league where people are complaining about how much there's a lack of defense, not just in the all-star game, but in the entire league. And now you've got an all-star game that's like competitive again uh, for the last couple of years, but especially with the Kobe Bryant laid out rules uh, to this all-star game, it's like crazy to see this on display. So to see a charge framed as entertaining and not just like a textbook (laughs) type of like uh you know defensive strat to make it on blast as if it was a dunk or a crazy pass that's awesome and not many players could have pulled that off outside of kyle lowry so when people say lowry's overrated or he's overpaid i beg to disagree for a ton of reasons but a primary one is he's 
one of the best, if not the best, charge drawer in the entire NBA. And that's a specific skill set that a lot of players can't carry. And even the ones that do still can't keep up, unless, again, you're somebody like a Marcus Smart, who uh, is one of the most defensive point guards in the league. So when you have Kyle Lowry doing that on full display in an all-star game, that's hilarious rewriting of what that weekend can look like. And I'm all for it. Yeah, and, and you hit it on the head perfectly there in terms of it being a charge that had entertainment value. And I think I may even use that as my one argument for Kyle Lowry being, you know, Kyle Lowry over everything. If someone were to ask me what's the meaning of that, I would simply just say, when is the last time you ever cheered for a charge, ever? Right. Or ever got out of your seat because of a charge? And it was Kyle Lowry at the All-Star Game. Yeah, perfect. Actually, uh, I should correct myself. That was not perfect. There was one moment that was even more perfect than that. Uh, I don't even know if I should be the one introducing it. I I, I, I feel like it needs no introduction. Uh, Jason, I, I'm going to throw it over to you. Maybe you can add some words to this. Okay, let's put the scenario in there, okay? You have you have Kyle Lowry. This is semifinals, NBA semi, Eastern semifinals. And we're down by, I believe it's two points to the our rival Boston Celtics okay I'm just I'm just setting the field for you guys sure sure Al Lowry he is about six foot six foot something against who puts and Brad Stevens puts no one other than seven foot you know 20 taco fall to disrupt Kyle Lowry's point of vision Kyle Lowry soccer passes a a beautiful on target pass to OG Ananobi not beside him who's not on the left or the right, he is on the complete opposite end of the court. Soccer passes over Taco Fall right in the midst of OG Ananobi, who has 0.5 seconds to let it fly. Now, that's just a pass, okay? That was probably the best part of it. OG Ananobi, in his awkwardness, throws up the ball. Here he's on the line. Ananobi got it off, and it goes! Did it count is the question. OG Ananobi buries a triple at the buzzer. Just an absolutely great pass by Kyle Lowry. Let's see Ruling if he got it up. Successful field goal. Kyle Lowry over the top. Gasol just screened in enough. That ball's gone, it's I clean. think. It's That's a game in and a great winner. Great shot by OG Ananobi. But an incredible pass. Over the outstretched hand of Jalen Brown. And you can see everyone is on their on their mitts. No, I don't think anyone was expecting this. And I believe the ruling is, I believe it's 0.3 seconds. If it's, un, if it's at 0.3 seconds, there's no physical way a ball can leave a person's hand to shoot unless it's a tip-in. So the fact that we have 0.5 seconds is 0.2 seconds more than the physicality of shooting a basketball. OG Anandobi shoots a basketball from three-point line across the field of Lowry, who passed the ball over Taco Fall to win the game. Now that, that is the 2020 moment for us. 
And you know, just just one one clarification on on your note there. You, you said game seven. It was actually game three, but I oh, will say it this: like it, it definitely it felt like a game seven. Exactly, yeah. it definitely did. And I I don't know. I I I I find it amazing how for the second year in a row, you know, we 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 just got off this short off season where we're like. Okay, well, this is the second straight offseason where the Raptors happen to have the most sought-after free agent. Last year it was Kawhi, this year it was Fred Van Vliet. And then same thing. Last year, the Raptors had by far the number one buzzer beater of the year in Kawhi Leonard. And this year, they have it again with OG and Obi. And I I I can't help but just think about my reaction to it. And it's almost exactly the same as when Kawhi hit it. It was it was full of 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 joy, of incredulity. Like I don't I couldn't believe myself i think this one was more shocking because it was only 0.5 seconds at least with Kawhi leonard it was coming off of a timeout there was that hope that there would be there this i, I remember i was tweeting for us for that game and i was thinking what am i going to tweet after this loss right like I, my, my yeah, mind was going to very negative thoughts two in the series mm-hmm, and right? that, that would have put us down oh three that that's it that's the end of the season right and i that was more shocking than Kawhi's uh buzzer beater and uh I don't know, man. And and a harder shot, I would even say. I don't know. It's hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the I mean, memes I and the memes that came out of that and the video yeah. man, oh my, it's just <laughs> it just gets better. It just gets better even after that. I the the whole I don't shoot the miss. Uh, and also the whole uh, you know, someone hit me in the nose and I got kind of mad, but I'm okay with it now. <laughs> like it just it just keeps on building. That the aftermath of it was was phenomenal because I remember when uh, I think Fred also had a post game interview and they said all they need is one. Now you guys are in trouble, man. You guys are in trouble. And the fact that we went to Game Seven is true. Like we put up a much harder fight than they ever wanted. It, that's for sure. Yeah, um, it's great that you bring up the Kawhi shot because the first thing I noticed because I couldn't really wrap my head around this because of how quick it was and how little OG reacted, so my brain had to process something. The first thing I thought of was, wow, Marcus all reacts the exact same way to every buzzer beater. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is the same, right? The only thing <laughs> two I arms in the air. Of, yeah, two arms in the air, and he's like, whoa. But like, everybody else reacted differently. They ran out to the court. Uh, OG just couldn't give less of a damn. <laughs> but all I could think of was, wow, Marcus all looks literally like the matrix where you realize you're in the program and you start to see clones of like different con- uh, <laughs> figures. So like, if you go on the subway and people are wearing the same stuff, you're like, Oh, there's a glitch in the matrix. That's what it felt like where it's like, Oh, maybe Kawhi wasn't the robot. Maybe it's this guy. Like it's very <laughs> strange. But uh, once I like really digested it, I said, wait a second. I don't get how he did that. You know, at least with Kawhi, there was time to inbound. He shot it. It bounced a little bit. So I knew, like, oh, my God, I can react. This is the most glorious thing. With OG, everything happened so quickly, and he, again, reacted so minimally that I was confused. Like, wait, 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 why the hell did we win? <laughs> it was the strangest thing. Do you think OG's reaction would have been different if fans were there? No. No. Uh, knowing him mm. probably not uh <laughs> if, if if anything i think he'd be downplayed even more so i think he'd be too shy and it'd be like oh god there's noise okay i'm gonna go over here because i i'm like og 
I'm an in, I'm an extroverted introvert. When it comes to stuff like this, where people are cheering for you and stuff, that's when I'm like, oh god, I need to hide. Like I don't support, but I'm like OG. Except he's more of an introvert than I am. I'd have to like, I'd have to be like, okay, okay, yeah, I did this, I did this. Oh, we're all good. Time to go to the lockers, and not out of like arrogance, but out of. Uh, you know, out of uh, anxiety-based fear, like, uh-oh, <laughs> I did something, and the world's watching. Um, at least here, he could, like, <laughs> pace off a little bit. So it was uh, a spotlight on one of the hopefuls of the face, to be the faces of the franchise. And, yeah, go OG. Don't stop. Yeah. Honestly, thank God that we uh, signed him up for the next couple of years. But there you have it. 2020 and i should you know I'm, i 100 know that there are tons more uh you know memorable moments when it comes to 2020 so that's why i gave it to you fans i want you guys to let us know what your favorite moment was and i'm sure og is one of them but let us know it, it could be on the court off the court when it comes to the raptors or just the nba or anything in the 2020 just to shine the light to the fact that now it is over and that's a wrap for 2020 Dre, where can we find you and your new podcast, K-Cut? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. You can follow my film editorial and review website, Films Fatale, F-I-L-M-S, F-A-T-A-L-E.com, no spaces. And as stated, I've got a brand new film-related podcast called The K-Cut, the letter K, cut c-u-t i run it with a couple of film buddies we talk about film stuff every week uh try to come up with film pitches we're going to be doing film trivia uh some historical based stuff some academic stuff it's going to be really exciting and you can find us on podbean spotify itunes google wherever and films fatale is releasing its top 100 films of the 1950s first monday of january that's right my decades lists are now happening every month instead of every other month that's it for me i've talked for an hour jay where can we find you uh again i gotta say congratulations on the pod it's amazing it's a long you. time coming uh you can find me on twitter at rosalasaurus you can find my weekly column on raptors hq which is the wrap-up which uh, looks at the games of the week for the raptors and i i think the only other thing i'm going to mention is that you know raptors fans i know the raptors are, are 0-3 right now but don't worry like really just don't worry the the clippers lost to the mavericks by 50 and those same mavericks are currently losing to the charlotte hornets by 28 points oh don't say that so don't worry guys don't worry the raptors will be just fine jason over to you sir and of course you can find all of us at that's a rap pod you can definitely interact with us during every game because either one myself uh, jay or dre will be tweeting during the the game you can also find us on instagram at that's a rap podcast and you can find myself on quillet.co just search me up uh if you want me to work on your podcast but until then again Thank you, everybody, for 2020. That is a wrap on 2020. Raptor fans, let what Jay said will be fine. Raptors will be fine. Until then, we'll talk to you guys again on 2021. That's a wrap. <laughs>